Yeah, really understand whether you've got the passion to stick with it. You know, that's, uh, you know, really understanding yourself, you know, what you want out of it um, and really making sure you've got a good peer intention. Uh, these things are very challenging, take a very long time, you know, in general, they're marathon journeys. So, you know, the ones that have the grit to stick with it and uh, a lot of creative ability to connect and bring in the right people are successful. Uh, but most aren't. <laughs> uh, most are not very successful when it comes to building and growing, you know, high tech type companies. This is Devin Miller here with another episode of The Inventive Journey. I'm your host, Devin Miller, the serial entrepreneur that's grown several startups into seven and eight figure businesses, as well as the founder and CEO of Miller IP Law, where he helps startups and small businesses with their patents and trademarks. If you ever need help with yours, just go to strategymeeting.com. We're always here to help. Now, today we have another great guest on the podcast, and they're all great guests, but I still like to call them great guests because they are Nathan McDonald. Um, not I, I assume not McDonald from the actual uh, food chain, but you could only hope. But uh, Nathan is uh, is uh, been interesting and interested in entrepreneurship since college and wanted to get into his own business. So he went to University of Washington. Um, they had classes on investing and you know with Angel and Venture and saw people pitch and wondered how people. Uh, came up with great ideas for startups and how you raise money and all of that. So started in college uh, doing research on angel investing. Um, and with the research, uh, got some uh, chance to interview, uh, I think it was 10 or 15 different angel investors, graduated, went on a trip to Europe, came back and uh, started doing events with entrepreneurs and investors had, you know, there's a lot of ups and downs with doing that, but I had a great time along the way and then uh, had a partner that when he started with, and uh, that it would get into a little bit of how that partnership went. And then also um, started his own investment fund. I think it was about 2015 and has now launched uh, several additional funds and loves helping people rate or do fundraising. So with that much as a, as a introduction, welcome on the podcast, Nathan. Yeah, great to be here, Devin. Uh, appreciate you having me on. And uh, yeah, look forward to sharing a little bit about the journey. It's uh, one of the best parts of my job is uh, exactly that, getting a chance to help people along with their entrepreneurial journeys and uh, help with uh, investors and contributing capital to support those entrepreneurs. So happy to share a few things I've learned along the way here in the last 20 years. And uh, yeah, it's quite the environment today with uh, everything happening uh, in, the, in the markets and the public markets and just the amount of capital out there. Uh, reminds me a lot of when I got started during the dot-com boom back in the, the late 90s. Uh, certainly seems uh, very similar to what we're going through today. And obviously, uh, a lot of folks excited about blockchain and crypto today, like we were excited about <laughs> internets and uh, and email. Yeah, and, and I think even I think is a complete aside. I think blockchain went, went down 20% in the market today and uh, probably will come back up. And it's uh, certainly a bit volatile. So who knows? So well, why don't we, that's a whole nother rabbit hole that we could go down for a long period of time, but maybe uh, going back to your journey just a bit, take us back a little bit to kind of getting into college and how that started your interest in entrepreneurship. Yeah, back when I was uh, in college, the business school at the University of Washington, uh, just getting going, uh, knew I wanted to be uh, involved in business, entrepreneurship. Uh, we got a chance to do case studies on Amazon back when I was in college. Uh, mm. Will it survive? You know, will it survive its <laughs> debt load? And uh, hey, spoiler alert, it did survive. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> you know, argue on one hand and argue on the other hand. And those are our group assignments back then. And mm. so you got Amazon on one hand and pets.com on the other. So you got to, you know, the question is which one, you know, which one's better to own. Right. So 
Um, but it was a lot of fun, you know, a lot of things happening, uh, obviously the internet, uh, just becoming something that was more mainstream, uh, people setting up websites and mm. uh, just a whole, you know, frontier of opportunity, I would call it. And that's something I learned, you know, kind of during my high school and, and, uh, business, uh, education and college at the university of Washington was, you know, finding the frontier as an entrepreneur, that's something I think we all strive for, you know, where is that frontier? a uh, mm. place where we can make a difference, a uh, place where, you know, we're not stuck in a big bureaucracy, but there's freedom, uh, there's opportunity, but there's also a lot of risk on the frontier. Uh, things aren't necessarily defined. You know, there aren't roads, bridges, towns, you know, it's a bit of the wild west, so to speak. And, you know, but, you know, that's what you got to be willing to endure. If you're an entrepreneur, you got to be willing to, you know, get out of your comfort zone uh, and try new things and uh, be inventive and, you know, see what works, uh, what doesn't, you know, keep, keep doing what you can and, and keep trying to make progress. So, uh, so, university- and so now I think with that, so you got into university, you got into college, kind of got, you got to see the different studies. You got to argue as to pets.com will make it or Amazon and pets.com went up at a ball of flames and Amazon made it that, uh, but it was fun. They're fun to kind of see. And that kind of reminds me, I did MBA school and we did a lot of the same things or that as well. Um, but you know, so you got through college and then how did you kind of make that, that peak that interest or get into angel investing and then kind of interview those or those individuals? Yeah. So I got a chance to watch all these companies going public. I was watching CNBC every day in between my classes, you know, it's just a, a crazy time that, Home grocer, you had Cosmo.com, you know, all the things that end up working out 20 years later, but at the time were pretty, pretty speculative. So, you know, mm. I learned certainly that timing is very important and being early doesn't usually mean, uh, you know, uh, being successful in a lot of cases, unless you just have an unbelievable amount of money. Mm. Um, so, you know, I learned about venture capital in college and, uh, you know, was always fascinated by, you know, how, how is it that people came to invest in Microsoft, uh, Amazon, Macaw um, Cellular? Uh, which mm. is now part T-Mobile and, you know, a lot of the early companies in the Seattle area that were growing and becoming, uh, you know, big institutional companies, you know, but how did that come to be? So it was a fascinating thing to look into because I researched it and I got a chance to take some classes with angel investors and learning the history of entrepreneurship in the Northwest by, uh, through my research project, interviewing the business angels, getting a chance to find out, you know, where do they look at deals? How do they find deals? How do they come together? And it was just fascinating how it was completely different across the board. There was no cohesive way of like doing things. It was very Mm. happenstance, very much based on people knew. The most common element was people getting together at the Denny's on Mercer Island. So apparently that was the the hot spot, you know, (laughs) that if you needed to raise capital, that's where you wanted Mm. to go hang out, you know. So, um, you know, obviously saw, hey, you know, this is going to be a big area. Entrepreneurship's not going anywhere. Um, You know, how people find access capital you know, it's going to continue to be a big growing market. So, you know, let's throw my hat in the ring here and see what I can do to try and, you know, add value. And, you know, it had gotten pretty good at producing events and putting on Mm -hmm. social activities in my fraternity and other activities uh, with the sports clubs and things I was involved with. So, you know, decided to give it a go after I graduated and and see how, what I could do to organize some business events, uh, bringing together entrepreneurs, investors, uh, looking in our community at what was going on, how was it that deal flow connected with investors in the Seattle area? You know, mm. how did it connect with other groups across the country? Kind of what was working well? And then as technology and internet came in, you know, how are these groups evolving? Uh, how are they changing? How are they connecting? And then what was it going to look like, you know, five, 10 years out and try to, you know, shoot to build something that would, 
you know, build that collaborative community over a very long period of time. So now, so you did that, and, you, and you, then you, I think you had as part of the some of the research you did for class, you also interviewed ten or fifteen angel investors. You you know put on some events. You get to graduation, and then I think you took a, a graduation trip or whatnot to Europe, or took a little bit of time off. Is that right? Always highly recommended for entrepreneurs. You know, before you start the journey, make sure you you know take a chance to to travel. Uh, have get a little bit of your breather, your one fast or one last time to relax before you dive into dive into a new journey. Yeah, you know, have fun while you can. And I, I do feel during the pandemic here for all the folks in college, not quite able to have the full college experience, you know, that you mm-hmm. go for. And, uh, you know, hopefully there'll be an opportunity for folks to, you know, pick that back up. But I certainly enjoyed it. Uh, learned a lot just about life, about culture, you know, and as an entrepreneur, that's important. You know, you've got to travel, you've got to understand different perspectives. You can't just be stuck in your own little bubble. And so that did, you know, and you just have to have space to think. Um, and really kind of, for me, it was a chance to take in everything that I'd experienced during college, you know, all the classes, all the thoughts, you know, kept a journal, you know, wrote up some ideas, you know, what, if you're, you know, what are you going to do with your life, you know, and uh, put some ideas down. And, you know, that was very exciting to be able to you know, go through that, have the travel experience, plus, you know, just really crystallize kind of what did I wanted to do as an entrepreneur, you know, if I had a chance to, to give it a go. So, so now you go do the trip and, you know, have a good time in Europe, chart, recharge the batteries, take a break, kind of take a breather before you dive back in and uh, get back into the, the, the working life. So you come back and kind of now, where did you kind of pick up from there? Where did you start out kind of, you know, as, as you got into things? You know, one of the things that happened historically was the SBA set up what's called the Access to Capital uh, Network across the United States, one in all 50 states. And uh, my professor at the University of Washington ran the group that was uh, set up in Seattle uh, for Mm. for Washington State, Northwest Capital Network at the time it was called. And so they had a, a network basically for creating executive summaries, mailing those out to the investors, you know, making connections as folks would call back in. And that was kind of the Again, one of the traditional ways back pre-internet, people used to find deal flow before Twitter, before Facebook, before LinkedIn, you know, really was uh, something where it was very hard uh, for entrepreneurs. Again, if you were well-connected to begin with, it was pretty straightforward, but, you know, most entrepreneurial activity may not have been. So, you know, by being able to, you know, my position initially was just basically making an executive summary, writing up the business plan, sending them out, uh, Mm. collecting that interest, making those connections. Knowing the whole time I was doing it, boy, this could be a lot more efficient <laughs> than what I was doing. But, you know, it's just part of that learning process of just trying to understand, okay, here's the, how the way things are being done, and then being in position then to work with other groups, partner. Uh, it gave me a position to have a seat at the table. And again, this is when I was, you know, 22 years old, you know, to be able to be in the community, uh, be representing an investment group together with the other groups in the area. Uh, so again, it gave me a seat at the table, which as an entrepreneur, that's what you hope for, you know, just a chance to be in the room, uh, a chance to to be in the game and, and get a chance to make a difference. So, so now you, you, so you kind of get those, you know, get that set up, you get things going and started out. Now, how did that go? Was that ups and downs? Was it all, all hockey stick up or kind of, you know, you, you kind of graduate, you get into the working world to try something out. How did that initially play out? Yeah, a lot of things were happening at the same time. So it was, uh, you know, living on my wits, so to speak, you know, making the best I could with that situation. At the same time, just networking uh, like crazy. I mean, pretty quickly you figure out it's not what you know, it's it's who you know. And your network is such a valuable asset when it comes to, you know, early stage entrepreneurial activity. And, and that really is the resource network you bring to the companies you're working with. 
so attending a ton of different events, uh, just trying to get to know as many people as I could, uh, getting introductions, just, you know, full force networking really for a few years. But over the course of the first six months or so, you know, pretty quickly connected with uh, other movers and shakers within the community. And, you know, I was somebody who was just hungry to get stuff done and, mm. you know, ready to work. So, you know, we organized as part of a group to put together one big event that was going to bring together all the investment groups in the Northwest. Mm. And of course, I raised my hand. I said, yeah, I'm happy to help with that. That sounds great. Mm. And so for those first six months or so, March of 2000, we ended up uh, putting on the biggest event that had ever been done. We had uh, 400 investors at the Westin in Seattle and ended up raising 40 some million for 15 companies within a couple of weeks after the event. This is just prior to the big dot bomb, which happened a couple of months later. So it uh, feels kind of familiar to the times we're in today. But that was my big christening, really. Um, you know, 22 year old up on the stage of the Westin with 400 investors interviewing companies, uh, moderating the questions and, and just getting things started. And uh, we had Steve Jervinson was one of our keynote speakers. I got a picture of me and Steve together back in the day. And, uh, you know, he and, and Tim Draper and others were one certainly that we looked up to uh, during that time that were funding a lot of the, the companies, Hotmail and others that had uh, just rocketed up and become overnight successes. So mm. that was kind of my big christening. And then from there, we, you know, formed an organization to basically carry that forward, the investment forum. Uh, and then for the next few years, put on additional events and activities. Uh, the Venture All-Stars, created the Venture Map, uh, just a lot of different types of programming to locate, promote uh, great companies from the region and, and encourage their success. Uh, and so that went on for a while, you know, had a partner and then uh, kind of got to the point where that partnership was running out of steam. And, and that's mm. where kind of my whole life turned over within uh, a couple of years. Now, one question, not to dive in or put salt in any wound or reopen anything, but, you know, on the partnership, because I think that that's always that one in my experience. And it seems like, you know, a lot of others is partnerships can be awesome. They can be great and you can work off each, or play off each other and, and have a lot of success or they can be really hard. They can be difficult and they, you know, end in sadness type of a thing. So kind of, you know, what is, you know. If you're giving people a bit of, you know, is a partnership a good thing to go into in your experience? Is it better to go on your own? What are the trade-offs or kind of what what led to the, the partnership kind of dissolving and going your own ways? Yeah, I think it's uh, one of the biggest things they don't teach you in business school is managing partnership relationships. That should be one-on-one class, you know, <laughs> yes, I think it is the source of the greatest pain. Uh, it's just like a marriage, you know, and you don't, nobody knows what they're giving up when they go into a partnership, particularly when you're young in your career, you know, again, mm. you understand a little bit about your strengths and weaknesses, but not, not in any kind of real business context, you know, you haven't been through the firefights yet. Um, so I think naturally, obviously, we, we compensate with partnerships with different strengths, and that can be very, very good, uh, and produce a lot of positives, but then ultimately, it can create um, challenges around expectations and core values and, you know, decision-making and control. And, you know, it's one thing when everything's going well early, but then things get tough, things get stressed. And that's why, again, many entrepreneurial ventures have a tough time with mm. the founder structure. And most businesses fail because the founders don't want to work together after six months. <laughs> that's the most likely outcome of most business partnerships is they don't mm. last six months. So, you know, each person has to understand your own core values, what you're looking for, um, why you're giving up a certain amount in a business partnership. I've learned a ton the last 20 years now and, you know, fortunate to be partnered working with my wife now. So that makes it a little easier. Um, 
but you know, those are harder. I could see it going either way, but working with a spouse can be awesome. But you also, when you go home at night, you you see the same person you're working with. So you better make sure that you, that you, you like them. No, I just kidding. That was the hardest year of my life to adjust, you know, the two together. Cause again, you've got an entrepreneurial pursuit and then you got your home life and it's nice having a separation there. Right. Cause you got, you know, you work at work and then you come home and, you know, then when we're working together, that's a whole nother story. We'll get to a little in the later chapter, but you know, mm-hmm. those first business partnerships, they are precious. It's exciting times. Um, but like, just like first loves, right? You know, the, the first breakup is hard because you don't really know how to do it, you know, and, and you probably should. So my advice for entrepreneurs would be to, you know, make sure you have your, you know, getting out of the partnership set up when you get started. Um, probably turn your partnerships over faster. You, mm. you know, it's going to be better for everybody you know, have a pretty short time horizon on, Hey, let's do something for a year two years. And then let's refresh, reset. Mm. Um, don't try and make things that are set up one day last for years and years. That's very, very unusual that there isn't going to be a need to change things up. And likely one person's going to take it. The other person's going to go do something else. But, you know, I've kind of, uh, adapted the Pete Carroll, you know, Hey, I want everybody to be successful. And, you know, I want mm. everybody to do well. I want to do well. And just having that mentality kind of takes it up a level where it's not, you know, me versus them, but it's, you know, hey, how can we maximize our success and whether that's together or separate, you know, that's what we're here to do. And that's, you know, if anything I've learned, you know, in terms of dealing with those very negative conflicted situations, um, you know, that's how I've been able to persevere, get through it, you know, not get bogged down in a, in a conflict situation, but, you know, be able to come to a resolution, sit across the table you know, come up with an agreement and then, and then move forward and, and then try to encourage each other's success. Um, you know, that's at least what I've come to, to do and, and make it the so best. Now, yeah. And one, one kind of quite now kind of follow on question. So you go through, you know, good partnerships, bad partnerships, hopefully the, the wife is the best partnership of all. And you do that for a while. Now, how did you get into kind of running your own fund or getting into actually moving from, you know, making the connections, networking, putting on events and doing a lot of that to, getting, you know, raising the funds because, you know, kind of funny, it sounds a lot of times you have to raise money for funds and then you invest in others, but kind of how did you get into your own fund and how has that gone? Has it been successful, had a lot of good investments, hit and, hit and miss, and, you know, I'm sure that there's a hit and miss within all funds, but kind of how was it to get your fund going and then how has it been since you've been running it? Yeah, so my, um, just to catch the story up, my first partnership there, you know, that didn't work out very well. We split up. Then my next partner, I don't know that it was much of a better choice than my first one, <laughs> but it did bridge me to where, you know, we were. That was a, a tough breakup as well. But then, um, you know, then moved back when 2010, I think it was, um, had a very a small partner. So I took majority control. And then that was much easier because, you know, there wasn't any conflict about who was going to say what happened or how things worked there. That, that became much easier. Um, you know, finally I'd grown up to the point in my business, uh, you know, experience and perception of myself where it's like, you know, yeah, I can be the person running the show and, and, you know, I don't need a partner to validate that what I'm doing is, you know, important because obviously I, I've been young in my industry the whole time. I started when I was 22 so at any given time, everybody I was working with was 10, 15, 20, 30 years older than me. Uh, and so just, you know, it's kind of an interesting uh, credibility situation. And then when it comes to raising a fund, you know, that was the whole idea from the very beginning. It's how do I build a network, associate with success, build relationships, build a network, and then ultimately create a fund. 
you know, that was about a three year, four year plan. Well, you know, life had a different, uh, you know, uh, road to run here with the dot bomb and then the Iraq war and then the financial, you know, so every time we got a few steps ahead and I thought, okay, now's a good time to get the fund going and be able to invest in these companies. You know, there's always a tough economic cycle that we ended up having to go through and then it just took a little longer to get back up. So uh, finally, and we had originally launched Kretsu Capital as an idea back in 2008. Um, mm. But then again, you know, put it on hold uh, due to the financial uh, meltdown that came from that. So I joined the partnership in 2015 uh, with Matthew and Randy. Again, we'd already worked together for 10 years. Uh, Matthew was running the San Francisco chapter for Kretsu Forum when I started. Obviously, I licensed, partnered with, with Randy, the founder of Kretsu in the Bay Area. And so we had a very long-term working relationship, which, again, that's one of the biggest things you look to in a fund partnership is can these people work together for another 10 years? Right. Uh, that's usually the biggest risk from an LP point of view looking at investing in a fund is can the GPs get along or are they going to lose interest and go do something else? Um, so getting that first fund uh, up and going uh, and positioned properly and then getting to that first uh, first close, uh, first set of investments, we raised $6 million with our first fund mm. uh, from about 93 LPs. Uh, and that was obviously very exciting, very fulfilling time for me to get to the point where, you know, legit fund manager, investing money, uh, working with a great group of LPs, great deal flow, and then, you know, tracking the success of those companies here now five, six years in. Hmm. Uh, we raised our second fund, third fund, just finished investing our fourth fund, uh, just about to get started with our fifth fund. Uh, also built out a real estate fund and a blockchain fund of funds. So certainly been busy uh, on that regard, uh, building out the different fund vehicles and and then creating, you know, hopefully an opportunity going forward here, be able to bring on more partners to help with sharing the workload. And so you know, coming up with the structure and the and the program and how do you do that within a fund partnership to be able to scale it. Uh, mm. Very, very challenging thing to think about doing uh, from an entrepreneur and a C-Corp, it's a lot easier, but within a partnership structure, it's just a lot more competing and complicated things that you have to account for. So uh, that's been part of what we've been looking into the last few years is just, you know, how do we create more funds, bring on more partners, raise more capital, do more to support mm. our companies and so we feel like we've got a very good model here with Fund 5 going forward to be able to really realize that potential for the whole Koretsu global community, uh, mm. chapters all over the world. Uh, the data just came out this week. We're the fourth most active venture investor in the world for 2020, uh, mm. as we were for 2019. So uh, it's a lot of fun, a lot of work to do, but uh, you know, really it's been probably one of the most fulfilling partnerships I've had. Uh, it's worked very well, and it's just because we had that you know 10-year working relationship uh, that we really knew that it was something that, you know, we, we've been through the ups and downs together. We, we knew each other's, you know, pluses and minuses. And, you know, like any good working relationship, you just have a high level of trust that, you know, you're going to get through it and, hmm. you know, trust the process to make good decisions and to, uh, you know, get to a good result at the end of the fund's life. So now following up, because, you know, because I kind of almost brings us to where you're at today. And it sounds like, you know, it's been an exciting journey and a lot of fun along the way and also a lot of lessons learned and how to deal with partnerships, how to grow fund, what are the right types of partners to bring on and what that all looks like, as well as weathering a lot of different ups and downs within the marketplace. Now, kind of now looking at, you know, where you're looking at today you know, now looking into the future, you know, kind of next six to 12 months, where do you see things heading? What are kind of the next steps or where do you see or see things growing? 
Yeah, we continue to work with a lot of family offices, um, which is a very interesting area in terms of capital formation and direct investment, uh, working alongside the angel investors. We've been studying that just like I studied angel investing in college. We've been studying the family office direct investing for the last uh, few years and really trying to understand how can we connect angel backed opportunities with family offices. So I see that as being a big part of the future here the next few years. Uh, continuing to put angel capital to work with family offices, funding companies through their life cycles. Um, so really just, you know, more of the same. Uh, it's looking economic outlook, looking very positive for the next few years. Obviously been through a very tough time mm. this past year and uh, things are hopefully going to continue to improve, get the kids back to school, uh, get us out of the home learning uh, supervising uh, role, which has been uh, one of the bigger challenges of the pandemic. Uh, for mm. all the working parents out there, including us. Um, so, you know, looks pretty positive out, out there. Um, and we're very, very hopeful for, for good returns. Well, awesome. Well, I think that's uh, definitely sounds like it's a, uh, a lot of uh, opportunity in the future. And I said, hopefully the economy takes off to, or, or recovers as well. And it presents a lot of in, opportunities to invest and also a lot of opportunities for startups and small businesses to, to kick it into gear. So, well, as we uh, start to wrap up on the journey and always more things that we could talk about and it'd be a whole nother fun episode to talk about investing in funds and how you guys determine who to invest in and what makes for a good company or bad company. So maybe at uh, the future, we'll have to have you back on and talk a little bit about that. But at least for this episode, you know, I always ask two questions at the end of each podcast. So we'll jump to those now. First question I always ask is along your journey, what was the worst business decision you ever made and what did you learn from it? Yeah, worst business decision is, uh, you know, as an angel investor, it's always hard. Very, very early stage company. You know, if you end up being the rich uncle, uh, it's always a real tough spot to be. That's probably the one I lost the most money in, you mm. know, where ultimately the founder had a lot of really creative skills. Uh, and I thought we could compensate on the business side, but <clears throat> boy, just didn't work out. I mean, all the potential in the world, but uh, unfortunately, uh, didn't get a good result on that one and ended up losing uh, uh, a lot of money, a lot of time, uh, a lot of blood, sweat, and tears. Uh, mm. So that was uh, definitely probably, you know, bad decision just because ended up, you know, uh, kind of going it a bit alone and ended up being the one, you know, having to, to make payroll uh, more than a few months, uh, unfortunately. And and then having a hard time just, you know, once you get into these things, it can be hard to figure out, well, what what is the way out? And what's the you know least worst outcome we can try and come up with. And it can be uh, really tough to exit um, in those situations. So, you know, definitely a few bad decisions along the way and then, you know, some bad luck as well. Um, mm. That's one definitely that, that didn't work out well for, for me at all. You know, but I think some of those, at least in my experience, you know, some of those, while they're not enjoyable or fun in the, it, it, during the time you go through them, it also is one where you learn a lot and you learn the, the things that you won't do again and the mistakes to, to learn from so that you have a better business and a better go around the next time. So sounds like that was probably the case there as well. Now we'll oh, yeah. jump to the, the second question I always ask, which is, so, you know, if you're talking to someone that's just getting into a startup or a small business, what would be the one piece of advice you'd give them? Really understand whether you've got the passion to stick with it. You know, that's, uh, you know, really understanding yourself, you know, what you want out of it um, and really making sure you've got a good peer intention. Uh, these things are very challenging, take a very long time, you know, in general, they're marathon journeys. So, you know, the ones that have the grit to stick with it and uh, a lot of creative ability to connect and bring in the right people are successful. 
but most aren't. <laughs> Uh, most are not very successful when it comes to building and growing, you know, high tech type companies. Okay. Small business uh, is, a, is a great way to go in terms of being profitable and supporting your family. And, and there's nothing wrong with that at all either. Mm. So there's a lot of ways to make money in business. Um, and raising outside capital may or may not be the best idea for most business ideas. It's, it's actually very unusual to find something that you can build into a business, pay, make money, pay yourself and pay investors back 10 times what mm. they put in. Uh, that's not a typical situation. So just thinking really hard about the best way to structure, capitalize, build a company, um, produce the best return for yourself as the entrepreneur. Um, and then again, if you decide to take outside capital, just make sure you have a very clear plan on exactly how that's going to work and work out and, and then try to make the best of it. No, I think that's that's great advice, and I I, th I tend to think you know I, I like the you need to be ready to persevere because you know too often you get the the movies or the books or the podcasts or whatever it is, and you get the highlight reel right. Oh, I was an overnight success when it's really as an overnight success ten years in the making. You just didn't, don't hear about the ten years in the making, and so people yeah. have sometimes a misconception that oh, I just have to have a great idea. People will be knocking down my door to to get or to give me money, and then with that money, we'll just make it an overnight success and it'll go perfect. Which for ninety nine point nine percent of the startups and that that's not the case, and you really have to be willing to persevere, push through things, figure it out, pivot. Go Go through ups and downs, worry about or have those sleepless nights well before you ever get to the point where you, you know, that you you feel successful. So definitely like that is, is a point. Well, as people wrap up, if they want to connect up to you, they want to find out more, they want to pitch you an idea, they want to, uh, they want to be an employee, they want to join your fund, they want to invest in your next fund that you're opening, they want to be your next best friend, any or all of the above, what's the best way to connect up there or find out more? Yeah, thanks so much for having me on, Devin. Uh, we're very active on LinkedIn, a lot of postings there, so definitely can connect up there. Uh, KretsuCapital.com has information about our uh, investment funds, and then KretsuForum.com has all of our events and activities. We do, you know, 30-plus events a month, uh, so we welcome anybody who'd like to join as a guest and uh, attend any of our different training sessions or come as a guest to one of our forum meetings and uh, see how we do what we do. We'd, we'd love to have you and uh, appreciate the chance to be on. Awesome. Well, I definitely encourage people to reach out, connect up, and uh, maybe they'll be your next uh, unicorn that you invest in, or hope and hopefully not the next dot uh, com bus that you invest in. So, with that, appreciate you coming on. Now, if you're a listener and you have your own journey to tell and you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, always feel free to go to inventiveguest.com, apply to be on the show. We'd love to share your journey. And also, if you're a listener, one, make sure to click subscribe so you know when all of our awesome episodes come out. And two, leave us a review so other people can find out about the great podcast. Last but not least, if you ever need help with your patents or trademarks or anything else with your business, go to strategymeeting.com and we're always here to help. Thank you again, Nathan. It's been fun. It's been a pleasure and wish the next leg of your journey even better than the last. Thanks so much, Devin. I appreciate you having me on and best of luck to everybody. Thank you.